brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we are live. Welcome. To the MLB Strategy Show, it is Tuesday, September 27th. I am Josh Engelman. I'm joined by Adam Scher. We're brought to you by Prize Picks, And we've got 12 games to talk about. A real solid MLB slate after yesterday's stink bomb that nobody wanted to look at because of Monday Night Football and the fact that it was four games. But today, we get a real one as we slowly but surely round out the MLB season. Before we get started, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Adam, we'll start with baseball. How'd it go yesterday? Not great. Um, my highest owned team scored 14 runs. The problem was I had 80% of a pitcher who got a rain delay in a game where it wasn't supposed to rain and then was taken out. So uh, mm -hmm. that didn't help. And then once again, for I think the second time in two weeks, not that Bryce Elder was a bad play or anything, but he was only he was 45% owned simply because... There was nowhere else to go, and the guy just throws a complete game shutout. Uh, we got it from Jordan Lyles a couple weeks ago on a short slate as well. So um, I that happened to be the pitcher that I was under the field on. I was over on Gossman. I was over on Contreras. I was over on Abbott, who was pitching really well until he wasn't. He still did fine, though. Um, but, uh, yeah, didn't get the 45% owned elder all that much, and then he just had the best game he'll ever have in his career. How about in NFL Showdown? Are you team... Why would I worry about uniques? I won, baby. So that winning lineup is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen yeah. because one, it's kicker at captain, which is stupid, but sure, whatever. Like if you're going to in showdown, there's, I mean, it's DFS in general, but especially showdown, there's like basically just normally a very negative correlation between this is st a stupid thing to do. And if it somehow works out, I get paid a lot of money because I'm unique doing the dumbest thing you can do on the slate and then duping 120 something times like congratulations i would pay 10k not to have to be associated with that it's a really weird take to have to wake up in the morning uh, i was surprised to see it but you know it is what it is congrats to anybody that won like it's always nice to have money in your account that was not a lineup i was going to end up with yeah and i mean in all seriousness like if it's, you know, if you played 150 lineups or something and it somehow got in there, like, it doesn't mean that you suck. You might suck. But um, right. 
but yeah, like I don't know, like looking at that lineup and thinking like you did anything good is wild. It's a weird, weird, ta- a weird take to have. I yeah, don't like you played one of it. the worst lineups you could possibly play, and it happened to win. It's in, it's insane. Uh, special thanks to Adam for talking me out of going to any kicker captain lineups last night. That was really incredibly helpful to me before we got to lock, <laughs> which was hilarious, hilarious. But um, I wouldn't have played that lineup anyway. I checked it. I did generate it. Uh, it was immediately cut from my entire process due to the reasons of why it was <laughs> duped by a million people. So yeah. I didn't. It was never going to be on the table for me, so I will never be mad that I didn't win that slate last night. Uh, it also didn't help that I had a quite a bit of Sterling Shepard, and he exploded on the final play of the game, and yeah, he's done. So I didn't see what happened That's, like officially. I, I didn't see either. I just saw a bunch of tweets about it being bad. It sucks, man. That guy is. Oh, I saw it. Like I, oh, I wow. saw it actually happen. I just didn't know if you saw like what the actual injury is yet. It looked like I, Patella tended no, to I me, but I don't was. know. I just saw a knee, but it sucks. Like he this is every year like he's always productive and then this happens it's a bummer i i needed him to well i mean he was awful in the game too i think every time i saw them throw a ball at him he dropped it or fell over or something i only saw i didn't watch most of the game because yeah reasons but uh the the only target i saw to him was daniel jones just firing it like behind his head as he was running across the field and he just you know kind of put a hand back and smacked it down but there were a couple of times where he wasn't looking all that great and i was just like okay this isn't this isn't going my direction things were looking pretty good there up until like the the touchdown barrage started in like the late third early fourth quarter whatever moral of this story folks don't play kicker captain lineups that are duped a thousand times whether they even if they win it's not a win no matter what anybody else tells you well, 12 games. You want to break this one down? Yeah. <laughs> yes, could be Travis. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of bad calls, too. A lot of real poor shithousery from uh, referees. So that wasn't helpful either. But yeah, that doesn't I, matter. I saw a lot of that on Twitter, just like constantly like bad call, bad call, bad call. And it was both directions, too. Like, they were just actively not very good. Speaking of things that aren't very good, did the you Washington... See the C- Ooh, go ahead. I uh, thought that was see- a perfect transition, too. That's a shame. Well, yeah, but then somebody said C.D. Lamb's name. Did you see the catch? I, I did see the replay of that. The non-catch? No, the touchdown catch. Oh, yeah, the, the one-hander. The one-handed getting his feet down, yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought you meant the one that he dropped in 25 yards of space. where I, I, There's a DM between you and I, I mean, be like, geez, C.D., like... Yeah. Good. I mean, yeah, no, like, I mean, I knew what happened, but I didn't see it. But I did see the replay. That, it's as uh, wide open as someone can be getting a ball to hit them in the numbers and not coming up with it. Like, just he must have thought that the safety that was still way over the top was going to destroy him. And that guy wasn't even close to him. It was real bad, real bad. And that Wait, was so the one he, guy from the like Cowboys. alligator arm it or did he just drop it? it straight through, straight through. Oh, okay. Like, so it was just a miss. It wasn't. It wasn't like no, no, it, it, it bounces like, clean through everything. It's okay. it's bad. You'll see it and you'll be like, okay, that's as bad as it gets. It can't be much worse. Um, but that was the only guy that I needed to succeed from Dallas. Like everybody else, I was light on, and he's just one of the best receivers in football. Taking one clean in the numbers for and not coming up with it was pretty miserable. I mean, imagine being Cooper Rush. Like you're this guy that everybody's like basically talking shit about because you're not Dak. And now you hit CD Lamb in the numbers for a touchdown and he doesn't come through. Yeah, it's you can't like 
it's not going to be, it doesn't seem like it's going to be your day. If you get CD lamb wide open, hit him right in the hands. And like, he's not going to come up with it. You just assume you're going to get destroyed for the rest of that one. Yeah. Were people really mad that he was smiling after he dropped it? I mean, like I saw it it was that ridiculous of a drop that like a ridiculous response is also warranted. Right. Yeah, I know for sure. I saw Spags tweet like, this might be a boomer take, but why is he laughing right now? And it's like, I don't know. What else are you going to do? Yeah, like it, it's that bad that it's – he just kind of breaks you mentally. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it's the worst drop of CD Lamb's career in terms of just like how likely success is for a play. And, you know, it was like a 40-yard crossing pattern <laughs> deep down the field. My guess is it's one of his worst drops ever. I, I just searched for it on Twitter, and like the first tweet that comes up is from Big Cat, and it says, "Congrats to CD Lamb for saying my bad after that egregious drop." That's the worship. <laughs> Have you? Did you see it yet? No, I haven't found it yet. All right. While you pull that up, I will intro the Nats and the Braves. Three point five run implied total for the Nats. Five point two for the Braves. Um, I just realized that we have a hard out at 11 and we've got 12 games. Normally I'm used to us being able to let this one rip. Paolo Espino and Kyle Muller going here. No one's rostering Espino. Slight ownership going to Muller. But my final question to you is this. Did you just see it? Yeah, I just saw it. Um, He wasn't going to score though. No, but it's still like an excessively awful drop. Yeah, I know. But like I thought he was just by himself and walking into the end zone. Like he wasn't going to score. No, but it's... We're talking like a six-point fantasy play, probably. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kyle Muller. Um, oh, he's back. Cool. Uh, good spot. Seventy-four hundred. Decent price tag. Um, not really a priority for me right now in the the top pitchers tool. We have him with a nine percent chance of being a top two pitcher, five percent ownership. So uh, just sort of somebody that I'll probably get to a little bit because the matchup is good, but not a priority on this loop. Same situation for me. I have a little bit, but nothing too crazy. It's not as good as the Braves look today. First in top stack, first in my top stack, first in ownership as well, but I think it's warranted. Um, Am I a little bit lighter than the field? Yes. Am I in double digits of aggregate exposure on a 12-game slate? Yes. I want to target against Paolo Espino. This Braves offense looks good. Best projected run total on the slate. Sign me up for Atlanta, even at this ownership. Yeah, I'm there with you. Good spot against Espino. Um 16% 16% ownership's a lot, but that's probably also quite a bit going to Ronald Acuna in particular. Um, obviously, one of the just best plays on the slate. Espino is not very good, but also he's had reverse splits for pretty much his whole career. This year, 200 expected ISO to righties, 176 to lefties. So not to say that you know you shouldn't be playing Matt Olson and Michael Harris, but um, this Braves lineup predominantly has right-handed power, and the fact that Espino is right-handed does not do anything to deter me from getting to them. No, not at all. I'm I'm very happy with what I have. 13% of my five-man stacks were Braves to start this one off. Uh, I'm sure you're getting to potent- or some of these Braves bats in cash scenarios. Acuna in particular is a guy that just always sort of shows up in those situations. Um, I, I'm assuming you haven't run a cash-type crunch yet. I haven't. Um, I'm going to run one right now. Yeah, I'm going to do that right now as well. But I expect uh, Acuna to show up quite a bit. Yeah, I expect the Braves in general to be there. Yeah, a lot of Acuna. I'm getting Acuna in basically everything, Harris in basically everything, Riley in basically everything, Rosario in basically everything, Dansby Swanson in half of my stuff. Very, very heavy Braves from a cash perspective. 
Not yeah, as using... heavy from a Nats perspective, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine. I'm using the stochastic projections, and it's running right now, but it's basically looking like Austin Riley everywhere, Acuna everywhere, a lot of Harris, a lot of Olsen, a lot of Diarno. There we go. Honest, Swanson. Um, yeah. Go Braves. Yeah. From the Nat side, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Not quite as appealing as Atlanta. Um, Moeller hasn't pitched much in the majors this year. Bigger sample size, if you go back to the start of last season, 23.5% strikeout percentage, 122 expected ISO to righties, 177 to lefties. Uh, just not somebody that I'm looking really to pick on all that much. You do have cheap price tags. I mean, Lane Thomas at 3,400 looks fine. Luke Voigt at 3,300 looks okay. But overall, just not a team that I'm that interested in. All righty. We will keep it moving then to... Blue Jays and Yankees, it's a coin flip game, 3.9 runs on both sides. feel like we just had the conversation about these guys. Jose Barrios going for Toronto, Jamison Tyon going for the Yankees. Uh, no ownership really going to Tyon. Small amount of ownership going to Barrios because he's 6,300. Do you like getting to either one of these pitchers? It seems like Barrios should get a little bit of love, but at the same time, I don't know what to do with this guy and he's facing the Yankees. Like he's cheap, so there is some appeal there, just – because kind of like we've talked about with Giolito, but like obviously even worse, Barrios at this point is just priced for what he's been this year and not for what he's been in his career. And this year he hasn't been very good. He's only striking out around uh, 20% of hitters, 19.5% of hitters, 4.22 XFIP, 4.7 FIP, 1.6 home runs per nine facing the Yankees. Um, not somebody I really want to get to, but he's projected for about 6% ownership, 6% chance of being a top two pitcher. That all makes sense to me. That's just a pretty cheap price tag when you do keep in mind that we have years of him being a much better pitcher than this. Um, I think that at this point in the year, you kind of are assuming this is what he is, but uh, he's priced for that anyway. And there's at least some chance that, you know, he's actually better. He's also been really bad against lefties and better against righties. Um, 163 expected ISO to right-handed hitters, 228 expected ISO to left-handed hitters. You do predominantly have right-handed bats in the Yankees lineup. Um, their projected lineup that I'm looking at only has Rizzo and Cabrera from the left side. That's not to say that it's great for Brios to be facing guys like Torres and Judge and Stanton either, but uh, <laughs> at least you know he does have the platoon advantage for most of the dangerous bats in this lineup. So uh, long story short, he's cheap. If he lands in a lineup here and there, that's fine. Uh, it's not somebody I'm excited about getting to against the Yankees, though. Are you excited to get to the bats in this game? Either side of it, really. We have the Yankees eighth in top stack. We have the Blue Jays 16th. Um, no real ownership coming into this game at all outside of Aaron Judge. I like Toronto more than I like the Yankees. I would be happy to get to some Yankees bats, but at the same time, I'm going to take my chances on the unknown Toronto power here. I like both sides at current ownership because sure. both of these pitchers, they're they're decent but neither one is somebody that um, I expect to consistently shut down an opponent as good as Toronto or the Yankees and neither team's getting a whole lot of ownership um, especially when you consider that you know for the Yankees who are pulling like four and a half percent aggregate ownership 15 percent going to Aaron Judge next highest is Gleyber Torres at five and a half percent so I like the power upside you get from the Yankees against Barrios and then for Jameson Tyon 184 expected ISO to lefties 162 to righties this year um it's kind of similar to what I was just saying about Barrios facing a right-handed heavy lineup but they're all really really good righties so yeah. um yeah would I like them more if they were all left-handed and just as good as they are um sure but they're still you know Springer Guerrero Bichette Kirk these guys are all really really good and not getting ownership so I think I'd give the edge to the Yankees but both sides at low ownership are appealing to me 
when I ran my top stack uh, sim, I had the Yankees at four and a half percent. I had the Blue Jays at four point four. I think the Yankees are just a little bit more cost effective to get to. But from a righty power perspective here in Toronto, uh, like I just want to get both sides of it. I'm, I'm more than happy to. I think both sides look good. I'm with you. But I, I lean a little bit more towards the Blue Jays, which should be no surprise if anybody's ever watched this show. I got nothing else, though. You liking the Blue Jays or are you being wrong? Uh, we're going to say that I'm wrong here. That's a bold take. Yeah, I am I, I am taking my stand that you are wrong on a game that is like even money and there's no real discernible difference. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's mostly just the slight, slight lean towards more Blue Jays because no one's getting ownership instead of one guy for the Yankees getting it. Yeah, but the counterpoint to that obviously is uh, the one guy is the best hitter we've seen since Barry Bonds. Yeah, yeah, totally deserved ownership. Uh, just That's just how yeah, it's shaken no, out. Yeah, I'm with you. Mets and Marlins, slightly different matchup. 4.1 run implied total for the Mets, 2.9 for the Marlins. Carlos Carrasco and Pablo Lopez. Uh, Carrasco, 25% owned at 9,300 here against Miami. Pablo Lopez, unowned at 8,600, attacking the Mets. I don't have the same sort of projection on Carlos Carrasco as I believe we do. I don't love this 25% ownership. This seems a little high, even against the Marlins. Yeah, I don't love it either just because Carrasco is so hit or miss, but I do understand it just given that pitching on this slate isn't that good, both in terms of talent and matchups. You know, you look at the alternatives. You have Robbie Ray against Texas. That's, you know, obviously fine, but he's getting ownership. McCullers is really expensive against Arizona. Snell's facing the Dodgers. Lynn's price tag has come up, and he's getting some ownership against Minnesota. Um, Like everybody else, pretty much every other good pitcher is getting ownership as well. So, I don't really think that Carrasco looks that bad at that ownership. It is just yeah. a little bit concerning because he's not that good of a pitcher. He's good, but uh, not the kind of you know talent that I typically feel comfortable with playing at 25%. But um, I think the ownership does you know make some sense. 24% strikeout percentage overall, 3.38 XFIP. Facing a Miami team that's one of the weakest offenses in baseball right now, it's likely to be a predominantly right-handed lineup, which is good for him as well. Um, 25% strikeout percentage against lefties this year, 23.5% against righties, but a 193 expected ISO to lefties, only 124 to righties. So I, I get it with Carrasco. I just, it's kind of scary, but I still think I'll get there. Two things I want to add. One, I think I'm just more likely to get to a bit more Lance Lynn, given the ownership uh, comparison to Carrasco. And two, I actually think some of Carrasco's ownership is going to go away. We don't have Zach Wheeler in the ownership right now. I don't really know how deep Zach Wheeler is going to be going into this game. That's going to be a discussion point for when we get there. And he is 10-1. So comparable price tag. I think they'll end up having like relatively comparable uh, projections as well. So we might see a little bit of that ownership just leak out of Carrasco and, you know, soften him down to where like 18 or 19% matching that top pitcher odds won't look as extreme when it happens. Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. But we'll see how that actually shakes out. Um, I, I just you, you can't really justify Pablo Lopez at 8600 here against the Mets because it's the Mets, right? Like he's good. If you end up with him in a lineup, you're probably not mad about it. But I wouldn't try to get it. Yeah, that's how I see it. Like he's going unknown, but he's also a really low probability play. He's yeah. a good pitcher, but it's also a really difficult matchup. Um, so if you like you said, if you get him in a lineup here or there, you know, like he's a decent fit in Brave stacks, for example. If you're playing, you know, five guys from the Braves that are getting double digit ownership, at least you're getting talent in Pablo Lopez. Like you, if you compare him to Carrasco, um, and he's a little bit cheaper, twenty three and a half percent strikeout percentage is about the same as Carrasco. Three point five nine xFIP is similar to Carrasco. In terms of talent, they're pretty 
comparable. It's just that one of them's facing Miami and one is facing the Mets, but you're also talking about 25% ownership to 1%. So in a lineup here or there, Lopez makes sense just based on the talent and lack of ownership, but it's got to be, it's pretty specific lineups that I would want to get Lopez in. I don't expect to get anything from a bats perspective here. The Marlins are a decent value stack, but I'm not really all that interested in them because they aren't very good. The Mets have a very tough matchup against Pablo Lopez in a park that I don't like targeting. So this is a spot where I'm basically off offenses. Yeah, I'm not really interested in either side. I think the Mets are sort of like an offensive version of Pablo Lopez. They're projected to go on their own because they're not getting ownership, but they're also expensive and in a tough spot, both in terms of park and matchup. So I like I never mind getting to the Mets at low ownership, but I'm not going out of my way to get to them against Lopez, who has a 138 expected ISO to righties, 152 to lefties. Much better strikeout stuff against righties this year, which is worth noting because you have a ton of lefties in this lineup. Uh, but still, 152 expected ISO, 334 expected Wilbur to lefties. Not like he's giving up a lot of production, even though he's only striking out 18% of them. Anything else you want to touch on for this game? Schedule for the rest of the day. Coming up after this, 11 a.m., we've got the NFL Strategy Show First Look Edition. We're already on to week four content for the NFL. Got PGA Strategy Show coming up at 1 p.m. The MLB Deeper Dive, which is currently scheduled for 4.45, which I'm going to ultimately move to 5 p.m. so that Adam and I don't have to do the extra 15 minutes, but we'll see about that one. And then we got MLB Live Before Lock coming back at 6 p.m., taking you all the way up until lock. And then finally, MLB Top Stacks, free for today. We're going to talk about it throughout the entire show. Plus, our PGA ownership is free. So make sure you're checking that out, too. Red Sox and Orioles, 4.6 run implied total for the Red Sox, 4.1 for the Orioles. Michael Waka and Kyle Bradish. Waka unowned at 7,900. Kyle Bradish unowned at 6,100 off a banger last time out. I kind of like both pitchers a little bit more than the lack of ownership they're getting. And I know you're, this will be no surprise because it seems like I do this every time. I kind of like Waka a little bit here against the Orioles. Yeah, I think I'm with you as far as just having some interest at low ownership for both guys. Neither price tag is unappealing. You know, Waka coming in at 7,900, Bradish at 6,100. I kind of already made the point, like when we were talking about Carrasco, that one, the pitching on this slate is... I don't think bad's the right word, but it's just like, it's one of those slates where pretty much everybody has some sort of like caveat about them. And then also there's a lot of ownership going to the, you know, most reasonable plays. So it's just, it's, it's a slate where I don't think I mind pivoting quite as much. Um, I like the 1% ownership coming to Waka. Certainly not a matchup that I like, not a park that I like, not somebody that I expect to be like building, you know, lineups around, but uh, somebody that at 1% ownership, I think you can use to offset uh, if you're playing popular stacks. Bradish on the other side at 6,100, I don't think he should be getting one-sixth the ownership of Brios. And I mean, obviously, that's kind of a disingenuous way to word it. It's 6% to 1%. Neither guy's getting a lot. But Bradish isn't a bad pitcher. The matchup against Boston isn't good, but neither is the matchup for Brios against uh, against the Yankees. Overall this year, Bradish has struck out 22% of hitters, 3.9 XFIP. Uh, he's been really good since coming back from the I think it was the injured list it was either the injured list or the minors or both but um he's he's been better uh he's been throwing his curveball more the last couple of starts he's had you know obviously a ton of success in in the last start throwing his slider more as well um he's he's been really good and he's somebody that does have good stuff like he's throwing his breaking balls more now he has a 97 mile an hour fastball he's 
got good stuff. He's got a nice ceiling here and just isn't getting ownership at 6,100. Yeah, I got to a little bit of both of these guys. I actually got to more than a little bit of Waka, actually 16%, but I think I have him projected a bit higher than we do. I had him coming out of my top pitcher tool at 13%, and uh, we only had it at 6 so I think that's sort of driving a little bit more. But something in that like 10% range for Waka doesn't drive me crazy. I'm also getting to the hitting at least a little bit, but so is the public. Orioles are third in top stack, fourth in ownership. Red Sox are sixth and fifth, but... Those are basically the same ownership numbers. For all intents and purposes, they're sort of the same top stack number. They're not really separated by all that much in raw data. I have them both ranked pretty high, although I do have the Red Sox ranked ahead of the Orioles in top stack. Ultimately, I got to 9% of the Red Sox. That's what the public is at. I got to 6% of the Orioles, a little bit behind the public, but I'm getting to just a lot of this game. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. Um, One thing that does concern me, about Bradish and makes the Red Sox look good is he has really been lights out in terms of limiting power to lefties this year. Um, I don't really know why that is. Normally when you see a right-handed pitcher doing that, it's because they have a changeup that they throw a lot. Bradish has a good one, but he's only thrown it like 16% of the time to lefties. So um, kind of surprising, but sub 100 expected ISO and actual ISO allowed to left-handed hitters this year. Righties have been a bit more of a problem. 185 actual ISO, 177 expected ISO. And now you're getting Fenway Park instead of Camden Yards. So when you look at guys like Tommy Pham, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Kike Hernandez, I think it does set up as a high upside spot for them. I am interested to see sort of what happens going forward, though, because, you know, I mentioned Bradish throwing his slider more, throwing his curveball more. Um, Having effective breaking pitches is typically a good way to get out same-handed hitters. And conversely, if you don't have them, that's why you get hit hard by same-handed hitters. So I'm curious to see sort of if he continues to have those power issues going forward, but he has to this point in the season. Um, and, you know, it is a good park to hit in and all of that. So certainly a high upside spot for the Red Sox. And then on the other side, Walk is kind of just a guy. And we know the Orioles have plenty of power. They've got some cheat bats. They've got some MPE guys in there. 177 expected ISO to righties for Waka this year. 163 to lefties. It's just typically a pretty nice lineup for the Orioles. Adley Rutschman's down to 4,600. You have Gunnar Henderson still with third base shortstop eligibility at 3,700. So he's going to look good. Mountcastle's cheap. Santander is pretty cheap. Mullen's the most expensive guy in the lineup at only 4,900. So I just think they're a pretty easy team to get to. I agree. I'm getting Rutschman a little bit in my cash crunch. He showed up in 52% of lineups, getting a little bit of Boston too. Connor Wong, Tristan Casas. Um, uh, speaking of replays that need to be watched, you need to watch Gunnar Henderson's home run from last night. Okay. It was like, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. Like I had the game on, I was, you know, sort of half paying attention. I've never heard a ball be hit like the home run that he hit. Like it really? was just a different sound. Like I was just like, Holy shit. And it was like a 430 foot home run to dead center. But um, yeah, it was just different. Okay. It was like 111 mile per hour exit velocity. I'll check it out. But yeah, it was just, it was loud. It, it was like, you know, like it sounded like you were at the game watching batting practice or something. Excited to check it out. I'm excited to see just like what he becomes too. Yeah. Not as, not as much as you, but like just in general. So moral of the story, like we're probably going to get to a little bit of everything here. Yeah, I think so. Um, And and, I mean, the offenses, I think, are it's where the ownership's coming in. It's where I would expect to be. To me, the pitchers are more just like lineup filler, but they're at least they're at least good enough that you can make a a case for them. Okay. All right. Let's keep it moving. Then we'll go to game number five. Twins and White Sox. 
Bailey Ober and Lance Lynn. Ober, 6% owned at 6,700. Lance Lynn, 13% owned at 9,500. I don't love this spot for Lynn. Um, I, I think the Twins are pretty solid here, but the run total looks good. I don't mind that ownership. So I'm getting to a little bit more than the field of Lynn at this point, a little bit less on Ober. Yeah, I think Lynn looks fine. Um, he's got a 25% strikeout percentage, 3.37 XFIP. I don't love the matchup against Minnesota, but I've already mentioned it. I don't love the matchup for most of the good pitchers on this slate. Um, so I do think that, you know, Lynn only coming in at 14% ownership. That's a spot where, like, if this ownership were to hold and he's getting basically half the ownership of Carrasco, I think you should probably get a little bit more Lynn, a little bit less Carrasco, even though I certainly like Carrasco's matchup more. I just think in terms of talent, they're very, very similar, and you probably shouldn't be getting a two-to-one gap. Uh, Ober getting around 6% ownership. Decent matchup. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus decent pitcher i kind of just think that all makes sense. 20% strikeout percentage so far this year for over 4.56 XFIP. Uh, he's missed most of the season. If you go back to the start of last season, 26.5% strikeout percentage against righties, um, 20% against lefties. Does give up power. 213 expected ISO to righties, 200 to lefties. But at 6,700, there's plenty of strikeout upside here. Is there any upside in bats in this game? You know, we got the Twins 23rd in top stack. We've got the White Sox 14th doesn't appear to me that I'm going to be getting too much on either side. I think it's, I don't think either side really stands out. I am somewhat interested in the White Sox just because of the power issues that Ober's had. Uh, oh. I mentioned that, you know, the 213 expected ISO to righties and 200 to lefties. I think that more often than not, he just has a decent start here. But when he's bad, he gives up a lot of power. And, you know, you have plenty of at least supposed power in this lineup they haven't really been good this year but you have guys you know that have pedigree as power hitters um Mancata, Abreu, Jimenez, Sheets, Vaughn these guys can all do damage Grandal is a catcher option looks fine Elvis Andrus leading off having I think his best off se- best offensive season ever uh certainly his best in like a decade so not somebody that I'm really looking to get to at 4100 but he is leading off and as part of a stack he looks fine most I got of anybody was Romy Gonzalez, um, and that's very minimal. So I don't get the sense that I'm going to be getting to a lot of this one. And then we will move it on to Cubs and Phillies. 3.3 run implied total for the Cubs, 4.1 for the Phillies. Marcus Stroman and Zach Wheeler. Uh, Stroman, basically unowned. Wheeler, can't really speak about it right now. So let's actually just have a conversation. What are we expecting here out of Zach Wheeler for this start? So he went four innings on the 21st. Yeah. And had missed a month before that. Yeah. Um, 58 pitches there. 
I would guess 75 ish. Yeah. That's sort of where I'm coming in. Like there's, I have no expectation that he's going deep in this game. The Phillies have no chance to do anything. So like, there's no incentive for him to do that. I gave him five and a third. I don't know. Kind of like him depending on how owned he is. Do you think he picks up any ownership? Um, probably not too much just because of the pitch count concerns and the fact that he's not, um, he's not cheap. Uh, as yeah. far as the Phillies, I mean, the Phillies are in the wildcard race very heavily. They're the third wild card right now. They're only a game and a half up on Milwaukee. Fangraphs has them a 0% chance to make anything. Fangraphs is drunk. They are literally in the playoffs at this moment. What's their record? 83 and 69. Fangraphs right now, zero in the make the playoffs column. Currently in the playoffs. Why is this showing their record as eighty-two and eighty? Uh, that would mean the season is over. Are you on the correct season? I I, I just clicked twenty twenty-two playoff odds. I didn't. And now it reads as all zeros. There are 2022 results are zeros, and they have an eighty-six percent chance to make the playoffs. So it took their all all of their current season record away, but updated the percentages now correctly. I don't know what's going on in the Fangraphs player uh, odds. So they do have incentive to pitch Zach Wheeler a little bit longer. I had that page up just for this like specific outcome. Yeah. Um. For ESPN has them eighty six percent to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's so, same as Fangraphs. I don't know what's going on in the Fangraphs page, but it doesn't look good. Anyway, ignore yeah, me. When you said they were dead, I was like, I don't pay a lot of attention to standings outside of the Orioles, but. Um, how like man? I didn't realize they fell off that bad. <laughs> yeah, like that's right now. Fangraphs is just broken, but those percentages are correct. So ignore me there. Anyway, I'll, I'll probably have a little bit of Wheeler as long as he doesn't drive like you know fifteen percent plus ownership, and I don't expect him to, and I don't anticipate getting to Stroman at all. Do you? Uh, no, not a matchup I really want to get to. Not a pitcher I typically get to. And with Stroman at seventy seven hundred, I mean, I guess you could throw him in like the Waka category, but. Outside of that, I don't really want to get there. Like, I think it's more likely if I just gamble on pitchers that I don't really want to get to. I go to that 6-7K to 7K range, whether it's Ober, Bradish, Barrios. There's no real reason, in my opinion, to pay an extra $1,000 for Stroman. I also don't anticipate getting to the bats in this game on either side. Uh, yeah, not much to see there, I don't think. Um, yeah, no, doesn't look, like, doesn't look like the win should play a factor here. Um, Stroman... From a power standpoint, 155 expected ISO to, uh, or sorry, that was since last year, 147 expected ISO to righties this year, 140 to lefties. Wheeler, obviously, a really good pitcher. I don't see much of anything bats was. All righty. Well, let's talk a little bit about Prize Picks, presenting sponsor of this show. If you click the link in the description of this video, head on over to Prize Picks, make a deposit. You'll get up to $100 as an instant match deposit bonus. You don't need an optimizer. You're picking player props over-unders. You hit five on one card, you'll net up to 10x your entry fee. Adam and I are going to hit you with a couple prize picks picks uh, based on pitcher fantasy scores. We're going to lead this one off. Carlos Carrasco over-under 35 and a half. Uh, hang on, I was answering question in chat. Um, 35 and a half for Carrasco? Yes. We have 35 and a half. I got him at 31.8, so I'm going to be under on Carlos Carrasco. Opposite side of this one, Pablo Lopez 
over under 23 and a half. That seems low. Um, we, yeah, we have 26 and a half. Okay. And then we're going to close it out with your boy, Kyle Bradish, over under 21 and a half. Over. We'll hit on Eric's super chat. How would you feel about a Yankees five man with twins mini on DraftKings for today? It's fine. Yeah, good. Fine. It's, I mean, I probably would have said that for basically any combination of this is the five man, this is the mini stack. So, yeah, I mean, the Yankees for sure, like I like the twins, I don't like, but I get it. Like they're pretty cheap. There is some power there. Yeah, it's, it's fine. You can pretty much make a justifiable lineup with every single team. For the most part. Yeah. So when the Yankees are the start of it, then it's really easy to just be like, yep. Yeah. Like the way I view that, like just saying Yankees twins, um, would I be happy if that was like my number one ranked lineup? No, I would probably be a little surprised. But if I happen to in 150 lineups have a Yankees and twin stack, I wouldn't that and I. Yeah. Brewers and Cardinals. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, um, as far as SMP's point about Syndergaard piggy- piggybacking Wheeler, uh, the way I view that is that it just reinforces that you're very unlikely to get a surprise, you know, 90 pitch outing from Wheeler. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think, like to me, it's just 75 pitches seems very reasonable because you're talking four or five innings from Wheeler, get three-ish from Syndergaard. Um, I can't imagine that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to keep Wheeler at 60 so that we can get Syndergaard an extra inning because nobody wants that. Nope. Adrian Hauser and Miles Michaelis going in this Brewers-Cardinals matchup. Neither guy pulling any ownership. Uh, Neither guy should. I I don't see anything here from a pitching perspective. No, me neither. Um, Milwaukee has some strikeouts in their lineup, but also a lot of power. Michaelis, a good real-life pitcher, not a great DFS pitcher. 18.7% strikeout percentage, 3.85 xFIP. He's another Waka to me. Yeah, that's fine. I don't hate that comp. I also don't have a ton of interest in the Brewers' bats against Michaelis. Just he's always a tough guy to get blown up. So they are tenth in top stack, nineteenth in ownership. That seems about right. Um, Cardinals, on the other hand, second in top stack, eighth in ownership. Just not getting all that much love. I am getting to the Cardinals here against Hauser. I think they look pretty good. I love the park for it, but I love the lack of ownership, honestly. Yeah, uh, same boat, and they're not that expensive either. You yeah. know, obviously Goldschmidt and Arenado are priced up, but even they've come down a bit. They were both over 6K for a while, um, but you're likely to have Corey Dickerson in the lineup at sub 3K. Uh, if you can't get the Goldschmidt, maybe you'll have Pujols in there at 3K. But, you know, Donovan's cheap, Newbar's cheap, Dickerson, Pujols, Carlson. Like, it's not very difficult to get to the stack either. Uh, good park. Hauser this year has done a good job limiting power. 124 expected ISO to righties, 182 to lefties, not as good, but most of the power in this lineup is right-handed. So I don't think it's like an ideal spot. I'm surprised that the top stack percentage on St. Louis is as high as it is, but at low ownership, I'm still interested in getting to an offense that's this good. I had him about a percentage point behind that, ranking fifth, but still getting to St. Louis at that number. So it all looks good to me. Then we go to the Astros and Diamondbacks. 4.7 run implied total for the Astros, 3.2 for the Diamondbacks. Lance McCullers and Zach Davies. McCullers is 10% owned at 10,500, the most expensive pitcher on today's slate. Davies unowned at 6,500 and should be against the Astros. So what do you want to do with McCullers? Uh, He's a guy that I am not getting to. I don't like this price at all. Yeah, I think I have trouble getting there. I 
get it. Like he's a good pitcher. He's, I don't think 10,500 is like a ridiculous price tag for him. It's more so just that I don't think he should be the most defensive pitcher on this slate. And I'm probably just going to have trouble getting there. Uh, not that medium projections are, are everything, but we have McCullers as the third highest projected pitcher on this slate behind Ray and Carrasco. But then, you know, also he's in line with Blake Snell. He's not that far ahead of Lynn. Uh, it's just going to be the ownership's kind of appealing, but realistically, I think once I start making lineups, I'm just going to end up probably not getting to McCullers all that much, even though uh, he is a good pitcher. It's kind of a neutral spot against Arizona league average ish offense in terms of production, not a ton of strikeouts. It's I I guess for me, it's not really anti McCullers so much as like, I just think I'm going to end up building lineups that I don't quite get to that salary. He's just too hard to justify at 10, five. There's nothing wrong with him personally. It's just, he's not priced correctly. I mean, like I think, I guess the argument in favor of him would be he's not a four to one dog to Robbie Ray. No, I'm with you. But like, I don't have him all that different from like Kyle Muller. <laughs> I mean, we have him different, but like three and a half points, four points. Okay. Yeah. I, I have half. it as a half point. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, three and a half run implied total on the Nats. Muller can go deep in the game. Not, not that I'm trying, like, he projects really well via Steamer, 395 FIP, which is basically the same as McCullers. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not paying. I, I legitimately didn't get a share. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm getting up to that 10 5 number. And I rarely have any trouble finding payup options at pitcher, like, to struggle to get into my lineup. Right. So. I'm more interested in talking Astros, a team that I'm not really getting to fifth in top stack, but third in aggregate ownership. I think these guys are just a little bit over owned for what we have out there right now. Still good. Yeah, I think they're good. I also agree. They're going a little bit over owned. Uh, They're also not exactly cheap. You know, Alvarez, 5,800, Tucker, 48, Altuve, 53, um, Bregman, 46. It's not, I'm not even really saying I think those guys are overpriced. I think that's around where they should be priced. But when you start stacking them together, you're just talking about, you know, a lot of salary going there in addition to them getting ownership. Uh, Alvarez, Tucker, Altuve, all pulling 10% or more. Pena's in that range as well. So I don't have any real issues with the Astros other than the price tag and ownership is a little bit higher than I would like. Davies this year, 181 expected ISO to righties, 169 to lefties. Um, he is somebody, I don't have it in front of me how what percentage of the time he gives up pulled fly balls, but he is somebody that doesn't throw hard. So I would expect it's actually a pretty high percentage um, averaging 90 miles an hour on his fastball. Uh, that's just worth, that's worth mentioning just because you have the Crawford boxes in Houston. Anything on the Diamondback side for you here? I think they're kind of interesting just because McCullers is always so prone to just putting a bunch of guys on base. And then you're basically one or two hits away from him getting out of the game and giving up a bunch of runs. Um, Corbin Carroll is cheap at 2,800. I like the price tag on Varsho. I like the price tag on McCarthy. I won't be upset if I don't get to the Diamondbacks because they have like a 3.2 implied run total against one of the best pitchers on the slate. But as far as like low probability teams, I think Arizona looks like one of the best. I have like 3%, so I don't have much to add here. Yeah, I think that's fine. Like, again, I don't anticipate getting to a lot of them on a 12 game slate but like if you're just saying you know the cubs against wheeler colorado against webb miami against carrasco i'll take arizona 
Yeah, my only, my only real problem here is that they're kind of ugly to stack. Uh, the lineup that I have is outfield, outfield, outfield. You've got a first base outfield eligibility guy, a single first base guy, some overlap at second as well. Catcher and shortstop are in seven and nine. So it's just like sort of an unappealing way to get to a five, man. That's probably what's pushing it down for me. Yeah, and also like it's not even that, you know, like with having, if we assume it's Carol, Varsho, and McCarthy at the top, it's not even that they all play the same position because like you can play them together. But a lot of times you're going to have your best one-offs in the outfield. And so it's just going to like drag down your lineup a little bit if you don't have that spot open. Like if you're using, and you mentioned it with catcher and shortstop being at the bottom of the order, if you throw in your five-man stack and then you're filling out the worst positions on the slate, that's just typically less appealing than putting in a five-man stack. This is one reason I get to the Orioles so much. Putting in a five-man stack and then rounding it out with, you know, outfield, first base, whatever. Um so yeah, like that, that's one reason, you know, with the Orioles, you have Rutschman at catcher, you have Henderson at shortstop, and those are really, really appealing parts of that stack. And then it's opening up you to go to positions where you can actually find good hitters. There we go. Angels and A's, 4.7 run implied total for the Angels, 3.3 for the A's. Patrick Sandoval and James Caprillian. Caprillian not getting any ownership, maybe deserves a little bit just as a value option, but I don't think it matters all that much because the more interesting thing here is Patrick Sandoval, 6,900 against the A's, 33% owned. And for the most part, like I get it. It might be a tad high, but I do think he should be pulling ownership as like the sort of best or yeah, we'll call it best pay down option. He's, he looks pretty similar to Logan Webb. Very different guys, though. Yeah, I was going to say it's a good thing Logan Webb is also wildly mispriced or we would be talking about, you know, 50 something percent on Sandoval because yeah. this price tag here makes no sense. He has struck out 24% of hitters this year, 3.66 XFIP. The A's are not very good. They do have a lot of right-handed bats, but um, Sandoval's held them to a 124 expected ISO, 24% strikeout percentage. Not like he has any sort of drastic splits here. It's it's a mispricing. He's an eight K to eighty five hundred dollar pitcher, and he is sixty nine hundred dollars. Yep, he looks really good to me. I'm around the field right now, just because there are some other choices down there. But I think the ownership is fully warranted. I don't have anything else that I need to say about Caprillion, and I can't imagine you do. Um, no, I'd rather go to Bradish. Let's go to the Angels though. Fourth in top stack, second in ownership at eleven percent. I didn't expect this, but I think the MPEs are really helping out here. And the fact that they are sixth in top value is also helping. I am still getting to the Angels, even at the ownership, even though I do feel like they are mildly overowned. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, looking at the ownership individually, it's it's not really that concerning to me, though. Like you have Trout at 21%, you have Otani at 16%. Obviously, I have absolutely no issue with playing either one of those guys. Then the next highest on guys, Renhifo at 12%. Second base shortstop, 4,400. That looks good. Taylor Ward, 11%. Matt Tice, 10%. Um, you know, all of those guys are certainly reasonable plays. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the order kind of sucks. But if you're stacking the Angels and you mix in some 3% owned Mickey Moniak or something, that makes sense. Uh, I like the spot. It's a good park, as you've um, pointed out to me in the past. Caprillion's not a very good pitcher. 18% strikeout percentage to righties, 15% to lefties. 156 expected ISO to lefties, 171 to righties. Kind of surprised, really, that those power numbers aren't higher. Uh, But, you know, outside of kind of having neutral power numbers, he's just not a very good pitcher. I didn't expect to get to as much angels as I did just because of that disparity in top stack. But I think that combination along with the value outside of trout and Otani, like it's so easy to get trout and Otani in a lineup and then have a five man stack around those two guys that just looks good because they just 
re-baseline that entire five man like it's such a bonus to get them yeah. at their current prices the a's can be sneaky they got to the grom over the weekend every baseball team can be sneaky like they're all capable of having a good game at any point yeah that they're gonna win even the worst team in the league is gonna win 50 games like you'd like to be on you know 30 of those are probably relatively high scoring too right ah <sighs> That said, A's are the number one value team on the slate in terms of our top value metric. They are barely owned at 3%. I am not interested in the A's against Sandoval. No, I mean, I think like I would put them close to Arizona in terms of if I am, for whatever reason, stacking one of the worst offenses on the slate. Um, there's at least like, there, there's at least favorable talking points. Like you have a bunch of right-handed bats, some of them have power, and you're getting a substantial park upgrade getting out of Oakland. That's about where it ends is oh and they're all really cheap that's about where it ends as far as positive things to say about Oakland let's talk about the positive things to say about Padres and Dodgers 3.6 run implied total for the Padres 3.8 for the Dodgers Blake Snell and Tyler Anderson Snell getting six percent ownership at 9900 Anderson unowned at 9100 I understand why Snell's getting a little bit of ownership but I am much more likely to not touch this game from a pitching perspective I think Snell should probably be getting a little bit more I could see it. Like he he's he's the best strikeout pitcher on the slate by yeah. a lot. Thirty two point two percent strikeout percentage by comparison. Robbie Ray is twenty seven point eight percent. Three point one five xFIP is also better than every pitcher on the slate, unless I just overlooked somebody. Uh, it's definitely top two or three. Pretty sure it's number one. Um, yeah. The matchup sucks, obviously, but six percent ownership is accounting for that. I don't think, and right now, you know, we hit, like we have Snell projected for 18 and a half DraftKings points. We have McCullers at 19. We have Ray at 21 and a half. I don't really think that he should only be 6% owned. He should certainly be lower owned than Ray. He should certainly be lower owned than Carrasco and, you know, a lot of these cheaper guys. But 9,900 for the best strikeout pitcher on the slate at no ownership, I think is pretty appealing in tournaments. I get the flyer. Um, I don't ever get the Snell, so it's a lot easier to just not get to him today. I also against always get the Snell. Against the Dodgers, I can see it not happening. Seven of the nine Dodgers that I have in the lineup have steamer strikeout projections below 20, which is really incredible. Tough strikeout matchup here. So does that matter to Snell? Probably not. No no way around that. Yeah. Um, I just don't trust Snell today. If he puts a guy or two on, so many bats that could hurt him here against the Dodgers. Doesn't look like I'm going to get there. Totally understand it in a larger field GPP. I don't think that we need to talk about Anderson at all. Do we need to talk about... I'll say, I, I think Anderson's a good enough real life pitcher, but I have a hard time wanting to pay. Like, I, I would have a hard time wanting to get him in this matchup anyway. But then when you consider how the, all the pitcher pricing breaks down on this slate, he's just like more or less correctly priced, if not a little bit overpriced, on a slate where you just have mispricings. Can you justify the Padres bats or Dodgers bats in this spot? I think you can justify the Dodgers just because. Okay. I mean, they're they're both really good. I guess it's kind of similar on both sides. We have the Dodgers with a 5% chance of being the top stack at 4% aggregate ownership. San Diego, 3% chance at 1% aggregate ownership. Um, the Dodgers, I think, are just a little bit easier to get to. Um, they're more appealing to get to, I should say. Uh, they are expensive at the top, so they're not really that easy to get to. I doubt that I get to much of either one. But, you know, you mentioned Snell and his propensity to put guys on base. You just have such a small margin for error here before it's like, oh, the Dodgers just threw up six runs in the second inning. Um, so large field tournaments. I, I, I kind of think the Dodgers are like Snell. Like 
Yeah. Lord's Field tournaments, they make sense just because they have so much upside at very little ownership. Um, from a median standpoint, they kind of all suck because they're facing each other. Only thing I want to point out for this game, because I don't really have any exposure, Brandon Drury, Josh Bell, and Will Myers, all in the projected lineup for me right now for the Padres. All three only have first base eligibility. Really useful. Yeah, uh, projected to hit back-to-back-to-back also. Yes. Mariners and Rangers. we got to crank up the speed here. 4.3 run implied total for the Mariners. 3.1 for the Rangers. Robbie Ray and... Looks like Tyson Miller going to be the long man for Texas. We're not worried about Tyson Miller at all. We are worried about Robbie Ray. 10,300 projected for 40% ownership. The most owned guy on the slate. And to me, the very obvious number one pitching option today. Yep, I agree. I've kind of mentioned it a couple of times. Um, There's a lot of pitchers that project similarly today. And then Ray is just kind of a step ahead of them by a couple of of fantasy points. He looks really good. Uh, He's at home, which is great. Uh, I know people have mentioned his home road splits before. I don't buy into them in the sense that, like, he just can't pitch on the road because this is his first year in Seattle and he's had plenty of success in other parks. But I do buy into them in the sense that Seattle's a really, really, really good place to pitch. So uh, that makes him look really good. He's got the second highest strikeout percentage on the slate behind Blake Snell at 27.8%, 3.5 XFIP. You can argue he's a little bit overowned relative to other pitchers. You know, like I already said, I don't, he's not a four to one favorite against McCullers. He's not an eight to one favorite against Snell, but that's also not exactly how you build DFS lineups. And he looks like the best pitching option. He sure does. Um, we have him, not we, uh, prize picks has him projected for seven strikeouts. That's exactly where I have him. So I think that looks good. I, I have 50% Ray. I love it. I'm not going to Tyson Miller. I'm not going to Rangers bats. And I also don't think that I'm going to be going to Mariners bats. They are pulling some ownership. They are ninth in top stack, second in value, sixth in ownership. Do you see Seattle as viable today? Yeah, I'm interested in the Mariners here. I do wish, obviously, that Julio Rodriguez was healthy. That makes such a big difference in this lineup. I'm actually really surprised by Tyson Miller's numbers because I thought I remembered this guy being absolutely horrible. No, he's not. 89 innings at AAA this year, um, struck out 11.4 per nine, 28.6% strikeout percentage. Steamer has him with a 4.16 FIP. So not as bad as I was thinking. Uh, not a good park to hit in either. The Mariners are pretty cheap because of not having Rodriguez. Uh, so I, I like them. I don't like them quite as much as I thought I was going to when the show started. Yeah, I think I really didn't get to much here. I'm anxious to see if it changes at all, but it's just really hard for me to ever get uh, bats in this park, particularly when I think the opposing pitcher is actually solid. And then we close it out. Giants and Rockies, 4.1 run implied total for the Giants, three for the Rockies, which honestly is shockingly high given the fact that they're facing Logan Webb. I'm surprised that the Rockies implied total is not significantly lower. Uh, Webb is 30% owned at 7,200. Herman Marquez is 5,700 and 13% owned. I like Marquez, honestly, at that price tag. I think the value is fine. But Logan Webb just, even even though Logan Webb isn't a great DFS pitcher, he's just not even remotely close to being a $7,200 pitcher in San Francisco. DraftKings for sure thinks this game's in cores, right? You would think. Um, cause yeah, both of these guys are just a thousand to $1,500 underpriced. Yeah. Like you said, Webb's not a great strikeout pitcher. He's at 20.3% for the season, but 3.37 XFIP, really good matchup against the Rockies outside of cores deserves the ownership. Really like getting there. Mentioned it before. I'm glad that Sandoval and Webb are both mispriced. Otherwise you would just have crazy ownership going to these guys. And then Marquez at 5,700. I don't love the matchup, but 
he's 5,700 pitching in San Francisco, and he's just like a averageish pitcher. 18.5% strikeout percentage overall this year, 4.06 xFIP. You're getting him outside of Coors Field. He is underpriced. Yep. I'm much likely, much more likely to be getting to the pitching here than I am to the hitting. Giants are 13th in top stack, ninth in top value, 12th in ownership. We're not going to the Rockies, so we don't even have to have that conversation. Do you see anything for San Francisco? Not really. Um, yeah, I mean, like you, you have some cheap bats that have power from the left side, but there's enough bad pitching on this slate and offenses that look good that I doubt I really get to watch San Francisco. All right, sum it up for me. Favorite stacks? Atlanta, Baltimore. Yankees favorite pitchers Ray Carrasco Sandoval there we go everybody Adam will have some GPP videos coming out a little bit later he and I will both be back for the deeper dive hit that like button if you haven't done it already NFL strategy show first look edition talking week four already breaking it down that is coming up next good luck to everybody thank you to prize fix prize picks for being the sponsor we'll talk to you in a couple hours peace